0: Hello to our listeners, welcome to the Women Governance Trailblazers podcast, where we listen to the journeys of trailblazing women in the corporate governance field, their passions, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Liz Dunchy, and my co-host, as always, is Courtney Camlet. Hi, everyone. Courtney and I are both passionate about governance, and we want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion. We are connecting with guests from different paths and industries to hear their perspectives on what surprised them in their career and where they think the field of corporate governance is going. For this episode, we're excited to be talking with Patricia Lenkov. Patricia is the founder and president of Agility Executive Search, a New York-based executive search firm started in 2008 that specializes in corporate board and senior level executive search. Previously, she held positions at Teneo, Spencer Stewart, and Hydric & Struggles. Patricia recently released a book providing thought leadership on the important role that board diversity plays in recruiting. Welcome, Patricia.
1: Thank you very much. Delighted to be here.
0: We're
2: delighted to have
0: you. You've
2: focused your career on executive recruiting and are tackling a big issue, board diversity, in your book that was recently released. Time's up what boards need to get diverse now. Could you tell us more about your path to founding Agility Executive Search and pivoting to become an author? Absolutely.
1: I actually moved to New York City from Canada where I am where I was born and raised and started working immediately at Hydrec and Struggles and then I worked at Spencer Stewart, so I essentially spent about twelve and a half years at what were, and I think continue to be, you know, two of the largest and most well-regarded search firms um, in the world. And at those firms, I learned my sort of trade, and I got to work with some of the legends in our industry. The search industry has only been around probably for about I don't know, 60 years, and um, so I got to work with some of the people who really established this business as we know it today and learned an enormous amount from them. I did hundreds of board searches and executive searches for some some of the largest um, companies in the world, and then after about 12 and a half years, I thought I was fortunate enough to have really accumulated a lot of knowledge and I thought it was time to venture out and do things in my own way So, take all of the good learnings that I had received in, um, along the way and start my own firm um, and that was 2008 and I named it very deliberately Agility because what I wanted to do was be nimble, um, be agile and really focus on creatively solving search problems without sort of a big infrastructure and lots of rules and regulations behind me, just really listening to clients, focusing on what they need, and doing things, you know, kind of differently. After, fast forward, you know, ran my business, learned a lot, continued to do board searches and executive searches, and, you know, diversity was something that I've been focused on, you know, since I began in the search business, so about 24 years, but I started to really think about it as... I learned more and became sort of more established in my in my field with my firm. And I really like to write. So I have a column in Forbes and I've written probably a hundred articles on the topic of boards and governance. So something I would always do. I had a newsletter that went out and it was favorably received. So I always like to write about topics that, you know, were in my area of expertise and, you know, generally in the area of boards and governance. Net-net, what happened was I decided that I needed to sort of synthesize in one place all of my experience and ideas about boards. And, you know, I had been working, again, with diversity in boards and um, just felt like there was a need to sum it up in one place to say, here's, you know, here's the path, here's why we're not there, here's how we get there, and this is sort of what my book presents in a sort of short sweet you can read it you know in a few days and really get hopefully some good ideas as to how to take action um, to improve diversity
2: yeah your book lays it out very well and you're right it is very to the point and it does provide
0: great ideas thank you very timely topic
1: Yeah. And
2: the goal was not
1: to make, um, you know, some academic, not that there's anything wrong with academic, but nothing that's going to sort of require too deep thought. It was very much like, let's just do this. Like as the title says, time's up. Here's how you do it. Here's why it hasn't been done. And let's just take action and move forward.
0: I like that. Love the name agility, too. Very prescient in terms of how necessary that has become over the past 10 to 15 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the, the second part of it, to be frank, is I wanted a, a name that began with an A so I could be at the beginning of the <laughs> alphabet <laughs> Very smart. on every list. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> it
0: was smart. a dual great. purpose. Yeah, 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 that's great. Was that intimidating starting out in the established field of executive search and working with those luminaries and then also working with executives and directors who are very high level and and you're coming in as a more junior person how how did that feel
1: yeah, it's it's a very good question. It was definitely, I picked kind of the major. So in search, you can be a specialist in all kinds of things. And I picked boards because I had experience in that area. But, you know, if you are in the search world, that tends to be one of the more difficult places to uh, to work mm-hmm. because it is so high level, you know, and it is sort of you're dealing with senior executives all the time. I could have, you know, become a marketing specialist or somebody who worked in consumer packaged goods, Um, but I chose boards deliberately because, A, I had worked on board searches, you know, at these two firms, and I really found it very, very interesting and challenging, Um, and, you know, when I started out, it's actually kind of an interesting, I'll tell you very quickly, it's an interesting story because I had left Spencer Stewart and I was kind of in the market interviewing with other search firms and trying to figure out where and what I should do and I received a call from somebody who I knew who thought I was at Hydric and Struggles and wanted me to do a CEO search hmm. and I said well I'm not at Hydric and Struggles and I'd be happy to do the CEO search even though I had no business um, so he said well we can't really hire you as a no-name brand, but what we'd like to do is we'd like to hire you and Hydrocon Struggles to co-run a CEO search. Hmm. So that's what happened. We co-executed this CEO search. Um, my former, some of my former colleagues and uh, myself, and I started my um, my firm as a result. So um, wow. it was kind of yeah. So it was it was kind of a serendipity in a way. I wasn't sure that I was going to you know do it on my own, but Uh, Somebody wanted me to do work, and uh, the rest is history.
0: Wow, that's a a great endorsement and a great way to get started. It is, yeah. Has there been anything that surprised you in the governance field and boardroom as you've progressed in your career?
1: So there's been a lot that has surprised me, Um, and I would like to actually, well, maybe I'll, I'll tell you about something that happened early on that was surprising that I think was Um, very influential in the way I think about governance. And, you know, as I mentioned, so I come from Canada. I moved here. I started in search. And when I began working in the search firm world in the United States and doing board searches, what I noticed was very interesting to me um, was that three names, so anything that had to do with diversity, there were always three names that came up on every board search, um, on many boards themselves, and this was, you know, back in the late 90s. So the three names that I kept seeing, and I was like, who are these people, and why are they on every single board or every single board list? And it was Vernon uh, Jordan, Willie Davis, and Shirley Ann Jackson. They're all Mm -hmm. amazingly accomplished executives. Willie Davis was a football player. He retired from football and he went on to buy, I think, television stations. So, and, you know, I kept seeing that these three people were on multiple boards. And I'm like, it's not possible that in a country of so many people, every time there is a diversity need, we go back to three people. (laughs) Um, And I'll just, let's say, focus on Shirley Ann Jackson, who is a theoretical physicist. Um, She was the president or is the president of Rensselaer Polytechnique. So she has a physics degree, a PhD in elementary particle physics or something like that. She was actually the first African-American woman to receive a doctorate from MIT.
2: Wow. So amazingly,
1: yeah, amazingly accomplished. And she was a director of, at one time or another, IBM, FedEx, Medtronic, Marathon Oil, the New York Stock Exchange, U.S. Steel, AT and T, and it goes on and on. Key Mm -hmm. core. I mean, and you know, for me, that was like, how is it? I mean, there's no other people. You know, and as wonderful as she is, and I'm sure she's brilliant and an amazing contributor, but there has to be more than one, two, or three people. So that was very um, eye-opening to me, and I felt like. You know, either one of two things was happening. Either we weren't looking hard enough, you know, or there were simply not enough senior people at the time and we needed to do something about this and really think through how do we sort of fill the pipeline with different kinds of people so that we can have more diversity on board. So, you know, that was a very big eye-opening and early kind of impactful um, learning that, you know, that happened to me that really change the way I look at all of this.
2: Now, that's a really interesting experience, and it's a uh, eye-opening. Uh, and it was great that you were able to impact that with your executive search aspect of the business.
1: Yeah, no, and, you know, more recently, I mean, I'll just give you a couple of other sort of surprises and things, is I'm always surprised at how there are so many long Tenured board directors, yes, so people yes. who stay on boards for thirty years or more, and then overboarded directors. We see less of this today, but it used to be people were on five, six, seven uh, public company boards. Um, interlocked directors, the so directors who may sit on two different boards together, mm-hmm. um, or have other kinds of interlocking relationships. And then there are a lot of, and I have great respect for my elders, but there are a lot of people, and I, I have pulled the numbers on many occasions, but board directors who are 90 or 85 and above, and not that there's anything, again, there's no hard and fast rules to when you're no longer able to contribute, but I feel like, just as a person who has many interests, maybe at 85 or 90 years old, you know, if somebody wants to travel or take cooking classes or play golf instead of, you know, sitting in the boardroom. So um, I feel like, you know, it's surprising that people don't always want to step down and kind of live their life, you know, at sort of that sort of late or older
2: age.
0: Yeah, I think it becomes some people's identities.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you think with a lot of these meetings now being virtual, at least for the foreseeable future, or hybrid it's keeping the directors in a longer tenure or it's helping to facilitate change?
1: Actually, it's a good point, you know, and I hadn't really thought of that, but um, I think not having to travel is going to allow people to sort of stay on board, maybe for a longer period of time, if you don't have to leave your house. You know, and my sort of clients have been telling me that, For the most part, they're going to sort of try to do 50% virtual, 50% in person um, board meetings going forward. So I think, you know, it may facilitate people, you know, staying on for longer periods of time.
2: Yeah, I feel like with various state laws and federal regulations and different requirements from stock exchanges, we're moving in a direction where. You know, we're trying to get more diversity. We're trying to have less overboarding and longer-tenured directors. But how do you stay current on these different board diversity mandates, you know, and quotas in other countries?
1: Read every day, <laughs> all day. Um, I get news alerts, you know, Google alerts on corporate governance and diversity and, you know, all kinds of different topics. I try to, if I can't read it in great detail, everything. I certainly scan Um, and watch what's going on kind of all day every day so every time i sort of need a break from whatever work i'm doing i I take a look at you know news on twitter wherever it happens to be just to sort of check in and see what's going on
2: Yeah, with governance you need to be a lifelong learner because there's continual change and uh, you just really need to have your pulse on the finger or your finger on the pulse of everything
1: Yeah, you know, and that's why, like I mentioned early on, how I really love governance, and it's, you know, something that I really enjoy, and what I like about it is it's ever-evolving. There's always a new, like as much as we say, oh, boards just kind of stay the same, but there's always some other challenge, you know, now we're focused on climate issues and ESG, and there's, you know, ever-changing challenges that boards need to contend with, and that makes it very interesting, you know, for me, working with them and thinking through how do we best compose the board so that it can manage the new challenges that it faces.
0: Yeah, excellent point. So what in your experience as an executive recruiter and conducting hundreds of board searches over the years are the primary issues that boards face?
1: So, you know, again, it depends on the year and it's ever changing. I think right now in 2021 and coming out of, well, we're not necessarily coming out of COVID, but we're living in COVID. I think volatility and uncertainty has certainly been sort of the theme of the last 18 months or so. I think the scale of the crisis shined a a bright light on each board member's contributions and effectiveness, especially, you know, because boards were meeting at the beginning of COVID. They were certainly trying Meeting maybe every week or even more frequently. So you really got to know each other in a different way when dealing with a unfathomable crisis that they had to. So I think the ability of the board to excel in a crisis on behalf of shareholders and employees and stakeholders has been sort of the, again, the theme of the moment, mm-hmm. um, which I think brought to light Something that's very interesting to me and, you know, I I sort of did an undergraduate degree in psychology, so I sort of come at everything with like the human component and health and safety and human capital issues, you know, hadn't been a sort of high priority item on board agendas. You know, if you look at board committees and composition of boards, there hasn't been really the human capital piece of it. And now I think COVID has shown us how important this is. And I think boards are really coming to terms finally to, you know, focus on human capital and people issues and whether it be health and safety right now. But I think in general, we'll see much more focus on human capital going forward in the boardroom.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. That actually came up. We had our proxy disclosure and executive pay conference recently, and we had a, a panel on human capital management and how it's been elevated on board agendas and comes up more frequently, goes into more detail. And someone also mentioned that um, some companies are having, it's interesting that you mentioned your psychology degree because uh, someone mentioned that they're having managers take some psychology classes to better understand how to work with people and how to better manage folks in the workforce.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I always believed, you know, obviously without human capital, all the financial engineering in the world that you could possibly do is kind of meaningless Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, unless you have people and good people, you know, and thoughtful people. So for me, it's like finally we're waking up to, you know, the basics that I think we need to focus on.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this is a question we ask all of our guests. What do you think women in the corporate governance field can add to the current conversation on the societal role of companies?
1: Yeah, so it's a big question. Um, So I think we could add a lot. I think we can be particularly strong um, in a conversation focused on, I think, what we're seeing now, which is a shift in business from focusing on only profits to having a positive impact on society. So I think, you know, I don't know if you've talked about it um, with others, but I think, you know, we're certainly seeing business become a source of identity and purpose and power um, and an evolution of capitalism from, you know, the old view, which is, you know, business exists to maximize value for shareholders, to a new view, which is, the purpose of business is to maximize the value to for society and i think i don't want to be sort of genderist i don't know if that's a word but i think you know women in particular can take a very strong and meaningful role in this new way of thinking about the purpose of businesses and the way corporate responsibility is expanding Because I think by our very nature, we tend to sort of focus on social dimensions of things. You know, some, and again, this is like not meant to be a cut and dry, like this is only a woman thing because I think it's actually an everybody thing. But I think we're particularly well equipped to focus on these kinds of social issues and their impact and importance to businesses.
2: Yeah, I'm reading a lot of articles these days about how purpose is so impactful to people, keeping them in the workforce, especially with the companies they're working at, to try and avoid, you know, the great, what is it? The great resignation.
0: Sorry, the great yes, resignation.
2: thank you. The great resignation uh, <laughs> and community involvement and feeling like they are a part of something in society is hugely important.
1: Well, yeah, and I think, you know, we're we're sort of – at a pivotal time because you know one of the things I talk about with respect to diversity and gender diversity is we have to solve the gender diversity issue now while it's still very much discussed in binary terms because you know again we're talking about how many women do you have on the board how many men do you have on the board but the next generation and the future is you know gender is not binary there are many versions of gender, um and we're still again focused on it in kind of an antiquated way and this is not meant as a judgment and opinion. That's just the way it is. So as a you know person who's working with boards and thinking about this stuff, I often, you know, tell my clients, solve it now because you're gonna have a lot more challenges in the future, you know, as this next generation and younger people who, you know, I think there's some numbers that they're, you know, non-binary. There's some, you know, 15% or something like that. And I think we're going to have to pay attention to this as these people grow up in organizations and take on leadership roles. And, you know, again, we're still focused on men and women.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's great advice.
0: Yeah, boards will be two steps behind if they're already um, behind on their binary gender diversity. Uh, And I do think that some companies are starting to evolve their – do you know questionnaires and their disclosures to capture that evolving concept of gender fluidity by um, like you said corporate governance is always changing and so that's just another example of how that can happen
1: yeah it's interesting and uh, you know i'm interested as just an observer to see how this plays out in the in the next you know
0: few years Hmm. yeah me too Well, thank you so much, Patricia, for joining us for this episode of Women Governance Trailblazers. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use for podcasts. And we would love if you would rate us while you're there.
1: Thank you so much for having me.